Welcome to episode three of In the Abstract, the Lakeland Title podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson, the owner and founder of Lakeland Title in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, we hope this podcast will be a good source for you to get some uh, real estate information. Um, this episode, I'm actually producing myself, so bear with me on that. That's my first shot at this, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I used to do uh, some eviction work for about 10 years until 2019 when my volume of title work got uh, too much that I couldn't really devote the time to it. So I was doing eviction work and I was doing, uh, you know, landlord tenant issues, uh, lease drafting, all those kind of things. Um, and I still get a lot of calls about evictions. And so I wanted to devote this episode to just going over the eviction process and kind of explaining, uh, how the eviction process works in Louisiana. And it's a very technical process. So, uh, please remember that the, the things I'm going to go through, uh, if you're a landlord, you have to follow all these steps. If you're a tenant trying to dispute, an eviction, uh, you're going to want to make sure that your landlord has followed all these steps because if they don't do one of them, it invalidates the entire eviction. So from there, I'll just go and get started on the eviction process. So in Louisiana, you have a right to uh, a five-day notice to vacate in an eviction situation. Now that five-day notice can be waived in the lease. So you're going to want to check the lease first and see if that five-day notice was waived, or sometimes it can be modified by the landlord. Sometimes they can give a 10-day notice. So if they give a longer notice, whatever's in the lease is going to control. Uh, and you can waive that notice, but they can't, you know, put in some kind of weird, shorter notice. Uh, so if your landlord has waived that note, if you've waived that notice in the lease, uh, then your landlord can go straight to eviction court. And we'll get to what that is in a second. If they haven't waived that notice or you have an oral lease or you don't have a lease at all, uh, it's just, you know, you're just occupying a property. For someone to evict you, they have to give you a five-day notice to vacate. And that five-day notice just says you have to get out of this property uh, either because you didn't pay rent or for whatever reason they're trying to get you out of the property. They have to state in that, that five-day notice. And there are three ways that the five-day notice uh, can be delivered. So the first way is that it can be posted on the door of the property. The second way is that it can be hand-delivered to the tenant. And the third way is that it can be sent by certified mail return receipt requested. Now, with the certified mail return receipt requested, that tenant actually has to sign for it. So you have to have their name on that green signature card. Uh, if you don't, then it's just kind of not effective. Uh, the other two ways, which are the most common, the posting it on the door or hand delivering it to the tenant, you have to have a witness with you uh, when you do that. And that person has to be available for the eviction hearing so they can testify, yes, the five-day notice was posted, or yes, the five-day notice was put in the hands of the tenant. I saw it happen. So just be prepared for that. You're going to have to have a witness. Um, then once those five days expire, now remember with the five days, uh, those are business days. Those aren't calendar days. So holidays, weekends don't count. It's five business days, and the clock doesn't start until after the day after you deliver the notice. So if you del deliver the notice on a Thursday, that five-day clock starts that Friday. So Friday is the first day. I've gotten numerous evictions thrown out uh, because the landlord filed their eviction too early because they started counting the days wrong on that five-day notice to vacate. So just remember that part. So once those five days have expired, if the tenant's still on the property, then you would go to the eviction hearing part. Now, evictions are filed either in city court, if you're within the jurisdiction of a city court, or in the justice of the peace court, if you're outside of, of a city limit. So uh, justice of the peace court, they usually have eviction hearings uh, once a week, so you'll get that eviction hearing, you know, within a week usually. With a city court, it's going to depend on 
kind of their docketing schedule. So usually it'll take two, three weeks, maybe a month, just kind of depends on where you hit in their schedule because they're not doing evictions every single week uh, like a Justice of the Peace would. So that's kind of the, the time frames you're looking at. Uh, and then at that eviction hearing, if you're a tenant, you should always go to the eviction hearing uh, because you don't want to be, if you don't show up to the eviction hearing, you know, your eviction is pretty much going to be granted and you'll just really have no say in it. And if there's been some sort of communication breakdown between you and the, the landlord or you and the property manager, that might be one of your few opportunities to speak in kind of a calm, neutral environment with, uh, you know, a justice of the peace or a judge there that can kind of keep everybody's, you know, wits about them. <clears throat> uh, and a lot of times, you know, if you're getting evicted, you might have know it and planned on it. You just need a couple days or a week and you can kind of work that out, uh, in the eviction hearing setting. You can kind of just say like, I'll leave voluntarily. You know, I don't want to make this more contentious than it already is, but I just need the weekend or I just need a week to get out. And a lot of times landlords will say that's fine, you know, cause landlords don't want to have to force you out because that's, that's a real stressful process. And so, you know, a lot of times they'll go along with that. But if you don't show up to the hearing, you really don't have that opportunity. So once the hearing happens, if the eviction is granted, then the tenant has 24 hours from the time that eviction is granted. So if that eviction is granted at 11 a.m. on a Friday, they've got until 11 a.m. on Saturday to be out, unless they agree to something else like I talked about earlier. So uh, let's say if they don't get out in that 24 hours, then you, at that point you would call the constable. And the constable is going to make an arrangement to come out. They're going to say, okay, on Tuesday, 9 o'clock, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to make this person leave. And uh, that's exactly what happens. The constable will come out and, the, you know, they'll ask the person to leave, of course. But, I mean, if they have to, they will physically drag the person out of the house if that's what it comes to. I've never seen that. Uh, but, you know, it probably has happened. Now, <clears throat> as far as the stuff that's in the house, um, this, there's two ways to deal with that. If, they, if a tenant leaves things of value in the house during the eviction process, after they're evicted, uh, you can't just take all that stuff. You can have the sheriff come and seize it, and they'll auction it off and give you the proceeds. Uh, that's kind of a cumbersome process. Uh, it takes a while, and you don't really get that much money after you pay the sheriff's fees, so that's not usually what people do. Uh, what usually happens is you or you arrange for people to move the items out of the property while the constable is there, and the, and the constable doesn't move any furniture. They'll just simply watch you or your people move it out of the house onto the curb and put it on the curb. And then once that constable leaves, uh, whatever was put out on the curb is considered trash. Anybody, including the landlord, can just take it and do whatever they want with it. So that's usually the route that, that most landlords take as far as dealing with furniture. Now, as I said earlier, evictions are a very technical process. So every one of those steps has to be followed. So if the five-day notice, if they filed after four days on that five-day notice because they didn't count the days right, you can get the eviction thrown out for that. If they don't have their witness there, you know, to testify that they posted the notice or they gave you the notice, that's another way you can get that uh, eviction thrown out. If they take any money from you, so when they post that five-day notice or deliver it to you, however they do it, they can't take any money at that point. If they take a dollar from you, it destroys the eviction. So that's another thing you can use in your defense is if, you know, but while, but while the eviction was pending or while that five days were waiting to run, your landlord took, you know, a hundred bucks from you or something like that. If you can show proof of that, it would destroy the eviction and the landlord would have to start over. So that's another thing to remember. Now, as far as, uh, 
with COVID, I know there were some uh, suspensions of evictions. I believe the Louisiana state suspension of evictions, I believe that's expired. I don't think we renewed that one. Uh, but again, you'd want to check that. And federally, I know Congress had granted one. I'm not sure if the congressional suspension of evictions is still in play or not. If it is, that the f- congressional one only applies to uh, evictions of properties that are have federally backed mortgages. So that means some sort of mortgage that the government is backing. Uh, now, to find out if that applies to you or not, you can go to makinghomeaffordable.gov, and there's a tab up at the top that says Get Answers. You press on that tab, there's a little drop-down menu, and it says Find Out Who Owns My Mortgage. And it'll give you two options to search to see if a mortgage is uh, uh, federally backed or not. And so that could give you, uh, you know, defense to your eviction if if that's still in play. I'm not sure if there's still uh, the suspension on evictions or not, but, you know, it's worth giving it a shot. So now I'll go over some of the defenses you might have if you're a tenant who is facing eviction. The most common reason that tenants are evicted is for non-payment of rent. So that's why it's important when you're paying your rent, you're going to want to pay with a check. That's always preferable because there's a you know a copy of the check. The landlord's got to cash it. You can show it cleared. Your bank keeps records of those cash checks for a very long time. So it's very easy to get those records if you need them. If you do, for whatever reason, have to pay in cash or a money order, uh, then you're going to want to get a cash receipt or some sort of rent receipt when you do that. Uh, because money orders, those are very hard to get those records of who cashed it and how it was issued and who it was issued to. So if you pay with a money order cash, just get a cash receipt. It could be something as simple as something you type up on your computer or write up on a piece of paper that you gave the landlord this amount of money on this date and the landlord signs it and that you just kind of keep that so that if the landlord ever claims that you didn't pay your rent, you can show those records of here's the canceled check or here's the cash receipt or here's the money order receipt. For that month, you know, here's, here it is for every month I've paid. Uh, so, you know, this eviction needs to be thrown out because I'm caught up. The other most common thing is that sometimes tenants will withhold rent for, uh, because the landlord won't make repairs. Uh, and a lot of people think you can do that. Some states you may be able to. I'm not sure. But in Louisiana, not, not making repairs, if your landlord doesn't make repairs, that's not a reason for you to withhold your rent. So the way you handle this is you have to, if your landlord's not making repairs, you have to request that your landlord make the repair. That's step one. And you have to do this in writing uh, because whenever you're dealing with a real estate transaction, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Everything has to be in writing. So the best way to do this is either by an email because an email will have a timestamp, or if you want to be extra cautious, you could send them a certified letter, return receipt requested, requesting the official repair. Then you have to give the landlord a reasonable amount of time to make that repair. Now, there's no real legal definition of what a reasonable amount of time is. Uh, Every court is going to see that differently. Every judge is going to see that differently. But generally, a a reasonable amount of time, depending on what the repair is, is usually a month. So usually give them a month. If they don't make the repair within a month, then you can make that repair, pay for it yourself, and deduct that money from the rent. So if the repair costs you $200, you could deduct $200 from the next month's rent. And it's perfectly legal, and the landlord can't evict you on that basis. Now, you do have to keep records of this. Uh, If you want to be extra cautious, you're going to want to get three bids before you get any work done, and you're going to want to keep all the receipts so that you can show that in an eviction hearing. You can show the judge, look, I got three bids on this project. I had it done. I paid for it myself. Here's where I sent the landlord the notice asking him to repair it. I gave him 30 days. He didn't do it. So 
I took matters into my own hands the legal way, and you know that eviction will get thrown out because it is perfectly legal to do that. You just have to be able to prove that you did it and that you did it in a responsible way. So that's my tips there. And then there are other things in uh, leases. Uh, you know, you'll have community rules, things like that, saying you know you can't smoke in the house, or you can't have pets in the house, or uh, various other little things. You know, maybe that you have to get you know renter's insurance, or there are all these little clauses in leases that uh, sometimes a landlord will get mad that you're not following the lease to the letter, and they'll want to you know kick you out based on that. And sometimes they can do that, but sometimes they can't. And the times that they can't, what you're going to want to say in eviction court to the eviction judge or the justice of the peace, you're going to want to say that this is not a material breach. So a material breach is just something that uh, rises to a level where that lease contract is broken. So it's material to the actual lease. So it's a very important part of the lease. For example, like paying your rent is a central part of the lease. It's, you know, you don't have a lease without some sort of rent payment. So if you don't, if you break that part of it, that's a material breach. It is very important to that lease. But little things like maybe you didn't get renter's insurance, but the lease said that you were supposed to get renter's insurance, you could argue to the judge that that's not a material breach. It doesn't really impact the landlord in any way. I'm still paying my rent. Uh, so this is not really a material breach that warrants me getting evicted. And, you know, that, that may work. I mean, that's a, it's a good argument. Or little things, you know, little, I was supposed to cut the grass and I didn't. Or little, little things like that in a lease that, uh, I mean, they're important. You should try to abide by your lease because it is something you agreed to. But is it really something your landlord can kick you out on? Uh, you know, some justice of the pieces and some judges might say yes. But that's the word you're going to want to use. You're going to want to say this is not a material breach. And so those are kind of the, you know, the big things we see most often. Like I said, I've done it for 10 years. And so I've kind of seen it all, uh, but those are the most common ones. So if you have any other questions, you can feel free to reach out. Like I said, we don't do uh, eviction work anymore, but I can point you to attorneys that can help you out, and I can give you factual information about the process. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at bjohnson and on Twitter. I'm on Instagram also at bgjohnson. Uh, my company, uh, Lakeland Title, is on Twitter at Lakeland Title BR, and we're on Instagram at the same thing, Lakeland Title BR, and we're also on Facebook. That's going to be at slash BR Closing. Uh, if you need to email me, you can email me at podcast at brclosing.com. And if you need to call me uh, to schedule a closing or for anything else, you can just call me at 225 387 5005. So I really hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I tried to keep it kind of, you know, not get too legalistic on you and just kind of keep it basic, but that's pretty much everything you need to know about evictions. So catch y'all next time. Thanks.